Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we discuss where to begin when studying the Bible. There are a lot of resources out there to help with this, but the key is to get started. The Bible is a love story, and every page is an opportunity to see that story unfold. We are creatures created to reflect the essence of who God is, and as we read and study scripture, we are better equipped to do what we were created to do. The Bible invites us to live in harmony with the created order and to discover the most fulfilling path for our lives. We're here again with Tim Dunn and are continuing to dig into this series, Practical Tools for Studying the Bible. The Bible is made up of 66 books and has almost 1,200 chapters in it. I know for me, it can feel overwhelming to know where I should even begin. Tim, do you have any specific suggestions for where an individual should start when studying the Bible? Man, that's a great question. You can start anywhere. You can literally start anywhere. I would say one thing that you could do that would be useful is to take the Yellow Balloons, you know, daily uh, devotionals and actually just take those verses that we uh, put in there and actually read that, read that whole context in light of the kind of guidance that we gave you. That's one thing to do. Uh, a second thing you could do, uh, there's a Bible commentary that, uh, that's actually on thebiblesays.com. And there's a handful of books out there up there. I think we have Romans... Galatians, Hebrews, uh, about two-thirds of Genesis, the first part of Exodus, the book of Ruth. Uh, So it's just now getting populated. But I think another thing to do that would be useful is to just pick one of those books and start going through it yourself and observe. Do it yourself first. Observe, interpret, correlate, observe, interpret, correlate. And then after you feel like you got stuck, pull that commentary up and go through it, and you're going to get observe, interpret, correlate, and here's, here's what it says, here's what it means, here's how it fits. You're getting that unfiltered. It's not, it's not trying to be fit into anything. The, the only real overarching paradigm is this paradigm of acceptance and approval. You know, that's, that's, that's the overall context. We have a creator God. He's the creator. We're the creation. He made us for his benefit, and he made us for our benefit. It's a mutual situation, and he gave us freedom so that we could have love. So God was introducing love into the world because of freedom, but because he introduced freedom into the world, he introduced the potential for evil. And you can't have love without freedom, so that's why evil came into the world, because we have genuine freedom. So now God is trying to guide us into using our freedom for our benefit, but he doesn't coerce us because then it wouldn't be freedom and then we couldn't have love. But ultimately, it's all a love story. He accepts us unconditionally. He's given us a, a path back, and now he's given us guidance, but we get to choose. Okay, So that's kind of the overarching context of the Bible as a whole. And then within that, you just let this Bible speak for itself. And so you're getting that unfiltered perspective of observe, interpret, correlate, apply, but don't just read it for what it says. You, you won't absorb it that much if you do that. 
try to do it yourself first and then go get some help from someone that's spent, you know, 20 years doing it and then go back again and do it again. And eventually you'll get to the point where you can see it for yourself. And it's once you can kind of break through kind of what's happening there, it's uh, it's fairly clear, but it, it can take some work to get there. So I, I think that's a great place to start it. It's uh, like I say, it, it takes some takes some effort. But I would just try it yourself first. Go until you hit a dead end and then pick the commentary up is, is, a, is a way I would do that. And I would say the same thing with our podcast. Listen to it and then go back and study it for yourself or study it for yourself and then listen to it and, and try to get the insights for, your, for yourself. You can just get a lot more out of it. This is all so helpful. For those listening, we have a list that can be found on our website at yellowballoons.net that covers all of the different resources Tim has mentioned, plus a few others. So Tim, this series is geared specifically towards study. Is there a difference for you between reading and studying the Bible? And can you give us a demonstration of the process you go through when studying the Word? I don't really, I don't really have much of a difference today after doing this approach that I've been describing for over 20 years now. But it definitely was at first. <clears throat> when, when I first started this, I had to put a lot of effort into observing and, um, and you know, interpreting and correlating. What drove me to that was that time of my Job experience that I talk about in Yellow Balloons. It was such a dark period for me, and I had so many questions that just drove me to the Bible looking for those answers. And it was really in that time, and that was, that was after I had seen that you know, words are, are understood in context, and save doesn't always mean save from hell to heaven. It mostly means save from myself to relying on myself to relying on God to my great benefit. Um, then then I, I just, it was like, it was like I had found a treasure chest full of, of uh, knowledge that I could completely overhaul my life and become uh, an authentic, the authentic person God made me to be. And I just started unpacking it like crazy. Now, I was, I was in a a, a great position where uh, I, I was uh, working for myself. So I spent a lot of my actually just time during the day uh, often just pouring through things, trying to understand it. And that's kind of where I got my foundation was that during that dark period. But because I put in that effort to get that foundation, then it started to become something that I could do very quickly. And I learned, I learned some of these things like these word studies, um, I sometimes I'll, I'll look at an English word and trace the English word. And then you don't have to know Greek to use the Greek. There's all these Greek study tools now where you can just, uh, you can just uh, like I have a $1.99 app called the Touch Bible. You just touch the word, and the Greek word come up, and it has a Strong's number. And you just type, it, type in the Strong's number, and it'll give you every instance of that um, of that Greek word and how it's translated into English. And you can just scroll through that and see how did the translators handle that word and what different words do they use. And then you can just decide, well, if, if I were to use some of those different words in here, would it change the way I uh, 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 looked at this verse? And sometimes the answer is yes. 
And sometimes you just get a deeper understanding of what, what's being talked about because, you know, Greek, Greek, Greek has a different sort of color to it than English does. But I don't know Greek, but I, I use that study tool all the time. Blue Letter Bible is another tool you can do that same thing with. And, it, you know, it takes a little time to get to understand how to use it. But, and then, uh, but then, then you kind of have it and you can gain some, you know, additional insight. And again, if you're just looking for what does it say instead of trying to prove a point uh, or show what you know or something, then, uh, you know, it just, it's a fun adventure. And then you can look at a passage like John 15, and that, that passage is uh, Jesus speaking to the disciples. And they're actually walking to the Garden of Gethsemane along the way, and they walk by a vineyard. And back in those days, and even today, I've been in Jordan and seen this, sometimes the grapevines were growing on the ground, and sometimes they were growing on a trellis. So he walks by these grapes, and he says, hey, here's some grapes. You know what? I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And you know, if, if you have a branch that doesn't produce any fruit, then you take it up off the ground, put it on a trellis, because then it'll produce more fruit because it's putting its energy into grapes instead of, instead of growing more roots because that's, that's what a vine dresser would do. And then if it's up on the trellis and it's, you're going to prune it so it'll grow even more fruit because that's what, I want, that's what I want to have happen is to grow fruit. And you, all of you, everyone who believes in me is like a branch on that vine. You're there to produce fruit, and you're going to get you're going to get lifted up. Sometimes that that's God lifting you up so that you can produce more fruit. So He's going to just help you along, and sometimes you're going to get pruned. You're going to get disciplined. You're not going to like it, but it's there so you can produce more fruit. And the reason I want you to produce more fruit is because other people will see it and glorify my Father. Well, okay, so now you have a context, right? To say, when I see Kylie doing what I've taught her to do through lifting her up and pruning her. Other people are seeing me. And when they see me through you, then you're doing what I made you to do, so you benefit. And they are getting to see me in you and drawing them to me, and they benefit. And in this John 15 passage, he says, if you abide in me, and that word abide, it's the Greek word meno, and, it, and it's, it's, it's used like a, for a house, the place where you dwell. Okay, So if you'll dwell with me and I with you, so if we'll be roommates and we do things together, teammates, um, if you'll do that, then you bear a lot of fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So this was a big part of what my journey was is learning to what it means to do things with Christ instead of just on my own. And, you know, it kind of makes sense if your paradigm is I have to be approved to be accepted, but then I'm doing something for you. I'm performing for you. I can't really work with you. And, and then once I flipped around and it's me, it's me being I'm already accepted, and now I have this coach, this teammate that wants me to do good, 
Well, now, now I've got a teammate. I'm, I'm doing it with him. And he, then he says, if you don't do it that way, if you're not doing it with me, then this, still speaking, this vine analogy, you're cast out a, as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire. Now, when I used to read that, it's like, oh, okay, if, I don't, if I'm not doing approved behavior, I go to hell. But fire in the Bible is not hell all the time. Uh, fire, in, in fact, uh, who is a consuming fire? There's this great passage, and, and, it's throughout, and it's multiple times, our God is a consuming fire. And if you look into the throne room of heaven, there's a river of fire around it. Uh, and God uses fire to judge. Uh, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, this is 1 Corinthians 3, it says everything will be revealed of what we did on earth through fire. And that fire is, is proving its judgment. It's, it's refining. It's ridding of impurities. It's purification. Okay, so if you go to this vine analogy... If you're a farmer and you've got a branch and you prune it and it won't grow grapes and then you prune it again and it won't grow grapes, eventually you just say, well, I'm just going to cut that. It, eventually it's just going to wither and you cut that off and it becomes a twig. And the only useful thing that you do with a twig is just burn it. It's used for kindling. Okay, So it's still useful, but not not for much. And that's the, that's the point here is that... Uh, how useful do you want to be? If you're, if you're doing, if we're living apart from Christ, if we're living to perform for Christ, if we're living in a way that's um, independent of Christ, oh, we're, still, we're still accepted by Him, but we're just not very useful. And pretty much our life is going to produce stuff that just is good for burning in the fire. And on the other hand, if we do abide in Christ and we're walking with him, beside him, not, not for him, not trying to be approved by him, but walking side by side with him, abiding with him, then we're going to produce all kinds of fruit. And that makes God really happy, and he blesses us beyond our imagination as a result. So it kind of makes sense, right? So when we understand what glorify God means, I think it is a true statement that we want to do that, but it's kind of a Christianese term that's worth unpacking because uh, we say it, but I don't think we often ask, you know, what does that mean? So, okay, so what, what does glorify God mean? And asking questions is a big part of this, Kylie. I mean, if you go to a passage with a question, you now have a challenge. You know, I want to find something. You're treasure hunting now. And if you'll ask questions as you go through, it helps you observe. You know, here's, here's what now I've learned to do. When I have that question, I will say, well, what does the Bible say? So I'll go through and do a word search. And they have these, I have now, I use my, uh, I use a $10 program that on my iPad mainly is my Bible study tool. I love it. It's so much more efficient than back when I used to go have to pull books out. And it has a little search program there, and you just go search, and you put in glorify or glory and start flipping through the verses and see, you know, what, what do these verses say? 
And when I, had, when I asked that question, I came upon this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, the, the, uh, the Greek word that's typically transferred glory is doxa. We get our word doxology from it. And it says this, it's 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, start, I'll start in 39 here. It says, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. Okay, so everybody's, all these animals have a body of some sort, but the body's different, right? A fish doesn't look like a giraffe. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But, and here comes Doxa now, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Okay? So that's interesting, isn't it? So stars have glory, and planets have glory, but it's different. And verse 41, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon. Okay? So how do the sun and the moon differ? The sun's a source, and the moon reflects that source. So that's, that's a real significant difference. But they're both balls that float around in the space, right? And there's another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So to us, from our perspective, they all differ in brightness, and they're in different spots in the sky. Okay? So you get this thing of uh, all these things are different, and each one has glory. So is the resurrection of the dead, the bodies, and then it goes into a glory of one body that our body's raised in a different kind of glory because we have a spiritual body and the resurrection. So, but looking at just at the word glory here, I think it, you know, I looked at this for some period of time and said, well, what is glory then? And it's, it's something's essence being truly observed. Okay, so in each one of these cases, so the stars, if you were on the, on the star, you might not be able to tell one from another or from the sun. But from our perspective and our view, they're all very different. So glory is actually something's essence being observed by someone. The next question would be, well, how is God glorified? And you can, again, you know, do a word search, glory, and you get to some place like, Psalm, uh, is it Psalm 95? 19, Psalm 19. So the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So when we look up into the heavens and you say, we're really small, that's really big. That is declaring the glory of God because the creation is an expression of God's nature. He made the universe to reflect himself. So when we look at, when we look at the sky, we are looking at something that reflects God and seeing his essence. He's huge. He's ordered. He is purposeful. And so God's glorified when we, when we look at this guy, whether we know it or not, whether we recognize that or not. And often I think people 
have this notion that uh, God needs us, but we don't need him. And, of course, it's exactly the opposite. He doesn't need us. He loves us. But we need him. We're not independent creatures. We're totally dependent. And without him, we're lost. So as long as we understand what glorify him means, absolutely. I I prefer just to say uh, to fulfill what God made us to be, and that is to, uh, to live in harmony with one another, with nature, and with him. And, of course, we live in a fallen world, so we, we can't do all of that ourselves today. But that's why he asks us to walk by faith and say, to the extent that it uh, uh, falls to you, do those things. You, by faith, live in harmony with others. They may not, they may not choose to reciprocate. That's fine. That's, that's their issue. But you choose to live in harmony with others. You choose to live in truth with others to show them what's true. You choose to live in harmony with me and fellowship with me. And in doing so, you're benefiting, uh, you're, you're causing the creation to be what I made it to be, and you're benefiting yourself immensely. And, and I love my children. I'm speaking from God's perspective. I love my children, and I want them to have great benefit. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.